Is messaging giving your compliance function headaches? Well, welcome to a special five-part podcast series on messaging compliance in a shifting regulatory landscape sponsored by Global Relay. Over this series, I will visit with Chip Jones, Executive Vice President, Alex File, Director, Regulatory Intelligence, Rob Mason, also Director of Regulatory Intelligence, Jeannie Clark, Head of Content, and Raywin Danvers, Sales Manager in Business Development. Over the series, we will consider the U.S. and U.K. regulatory framework for messaging apps, consider if business innovation is being stifled by regulatory action, preview the Global Relay Report, Compliant Communications in 2023, and look down the road on how to stay ahead of regulation with compliant communications in one app. First, a message from our sponsor, Global Relay. Put compliance at the heart of your business communications with Global Relay, with integrated cloud solutions for every step of your compliant communications journey. Global Relay helps regulated organizations mitigate risk and meet their collaboration, privacy, and safety requirements. Global Relay has built a rock-solid foundation for compliant communications from the Global Relay app, which allows firms to communicate compliantly on any channel, including text, WhatsApp, and more, to intelligent archiving and connecting everything in between. Founded in 1999, Global Relay delivers electronic communications to over 20,000 customers in 90 countries, including 22 of the world's top 25 banks. Find out more at globalrelay.com. In this episode one, I visit with Chip Jones on the current U.S. regulatory landscape for messaging apps. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Chip Jones, the Executive Vice President, Compliance and Business Development. Chip, first of all, welcome and thank you for so much for taking the time to visit with me today. You're welcome, Tom. Thanks for having me. Chip, the reason I'm so intrigued about visiting with you on this podcast is best summed up in the title, The Future is Now, U.S. Regulatory Compliance. I've been in compliance a long time. And I can't recall a time where it's not that the regulations are unclear, but complying with those regulations is such a challenge, literally across every industry, across every vertical, across every horizontal. And so I thought this was a great way to introduce the topic of what's the concept of an illicit communication, or maybe flip it the other way, how do we know something is a safe, harbored communication or one that is not? It's it, it, Tom. You're exactly right. It is. It's an extremely interesting time for compliance in, especially the financial services industry. And when you talk about illicit communications, there, that can take a number of forms. But one of the one one of the issues that has put a spotlight on communications, and we'll get to illicit communications here in just a second. But one of the one of the big sort of spotlights that's been placed on financial services communications and electronic communications, the Securities and Exchange Commission enforcement actions against some of the largest investment banks, and it wasn't those weren't so much for illicit 
communications per se, but they were off-channel communications. So they were communications that were strictly prohibited by these investment banks being business communications conducted, when you say off-channel, being conducted through their personal devices and whether that be their phones or their home computers or whatever the case may be, they were texting, using their personal email, and also using WhatsApp to communicate with clients or prospects regarding business at the, at the investment bank. So that was strictly prohibited by these large investment banks, but yet uh, there were individuals there at all levels, even those who had developed the policies at those investment banks that were violating the, the very prohibitions that they had written and were supposedly helping to supervise. So that's what's really caused this spotlight. You also had a change in Washington every time when the when you move from one party to the next and you get a change over at the SEC with a new commissioner, you're going to get a different direction. And, and Chair Gensler has sure, surely made it very clear how he feels about the books and records requirements of 17A4 and, and maintaining those those electronic communications, those business communications that are required to be maintained under 17A4. So Chair Gensler has, has made it extremely clear. So that's been, when you ask what, you know, what's caused this or what's going on, it's really that. It's the Chair Gensler coming in, sending his message about how regulators are going to take a look at this, and then also finding these large investment banks who were violating their own policies. I don't know if it's due to perhaps our collective ages, maturity in this profession, or simply that I remember when a $2 billion fine was real money. But (laughs) there was a literally $2 billion total fines and penalties against multiple institutions in September. And we had fines and penalties at the individual institution level before that. But I can't think of a bigger signal the SEC has sent at one time on one issue with multiple enforcement actions than this particular issue. Could you maybe say a few words about the level of the fine and how it was literally across multiple institutions? And did that really get people's attention, in your opinion? It absolutely has gotten the industry's attention. We here at Global Relay have received, as, as soon as the first settlement came out, there, there was one a JP Morgan settlement that came out several months before the sort of collective settlement. They were all about 200 million per firm. But even these firms like a JP Morgan or a, a Bank of America or a Morgan Stanley, any of these very large firms, they're going to 200 million a piece. They're going to feel that their boards are going to pay attention to that activity. And they're going to ask what happened here? Why is this? Why did this happen to us? And you ask about the size of the fine, because I too, I've been in this business for on the financial securities regulation for 36 years now. So I've spent quite a few years in, in this business and I've never seen fine activity like this. As I said earlier, this was this is Chair Gensler and the SEC sending a clear message that 17A4 and books and records are important and you're going to have to maintain those. 
Now, the fine of the settlement is really, in in my mind, directed at the fact that there were, as I said earlier, there were strict prohibitions at these firms to not allow for off-channel communications on their personal devices. And yet, as I said, the individuals who wrote those policies and were supposed to be supervising those policies just completely ignored them and were communicating away with both internally with those internal and external to to the firm. The settlements were basically twofold. One, they violated internal policies by by communicating on their personal devices on via off-channel communications. And two, when they did that, the communications weren't retained or supervised as required under the 34 Act under 17A4. So th- those were really the two viol- the two huge violations. But I think m- more importantly, it was the fact that they strictly prohibited senior level people were violating this. And it was just, it was a blatant violation, if you will. Let me pick up on the two reasons or two bases for the enforcement actions. Violation of books and records. And then second, the danger in off-channel communications. My sense is the SEC did not find these institutions simply because they violated their own books and records. They see a real danger with off-channel communications. It's something that they want to prohibit. Could you say a few words about what is some of the dangers of off-channel communications and what you think the SEC is trying to signal with the second part or second basis for these series of enforcement actions? 17A4 requires that all business communications, whether they're electronic or written, be supervised. And so you have to retain those and they have to be supervised. And the reason for this is they want to make sure that there's not a a rogue representative, if you will, out there, a financial advisor or a broker-dealer representative who's out there pushing investments or churning investments or selling unsuitable investments. And so there are numerous policies that, that can be applied. Global Relay is one of the one of the leading, if not the leading provider of electronic communications capture and supervision within the financial services industry. And firms use tools like Global Relay to monitor their communications to make sure that there's nothing, as you call it, illicit going on. And that's really the reason for this. And the reason that the SEC finds this so important is it's one way to early on, if you will, detect an individual who may be going off the rails somewhere and defrauding a, an elderly investor, if you will, or setting up some sort of a, a Ponzi scheme. These things can, there's certain, when you look through the communications, then you can detect if these types of activities are occurring. And that's the reason that, that it's written into 17A4, that the financial services industry has to monitor and supervise these communications. Now, what happens is if you if you take them off of a channel that's being supervised, then that that becomes even more worrisome, if you will, because of that very fact that they're not being supervised. So we even have a policy here at Global Relay, which is compliant. It's a compliance avoidance 
policy, which means we monitor uh, our clients' emails for phrases and words like, see my text of May 5th, or look at the WhatsApp message that I sent you back on May 3rd. And so when a firm sees something like that, when, you know, in their email, and it's a communication between a financial representative and their client, and they're obviously pushing them to an off off-channel communication, whether that be their cell phone and their text messaging or their WhatsApp platform, then you may be getting into something illicit. Why is that representative telling them to go and look at their text? Why didn't the communication just go on via the email that they're exchanging? So those are the types of sort of red flags, if you will, that uh, that, that concern the broker dealers who hire us to to monitor and help them supervise their communications. Chip, my sense is enforcement actions from the SEC, if it's a new area or an area where the SEC wants to make a statement, they will begin with the financial institutions or the institutions themselves. If that conduct continues, they may look at the individuals who've engaged in conduct after the first round of enforcement actions. And by way of introduction, that really leads you to my next question is, who do you see ultimately will be responsible? Could the SEC move down to the individual level? And is that a communication that that we, either as a consulting prong of the compliance industry or of the financial institutions themselves need to make clear to their employees? I, Tom, I think you're, I think you're dead on. I think you will see this move down to individuals. In fact, I've read where some of these investment banks aren't paying out certain bonuses, if you will, for individuals who were included in these settlements or who had off-channel activity. So they've sent the message that, you know, hey, listen, if you're going to violate this, then we're going to take take action against you. I think probably the first time that they may take some sort of a monetary action against the person, but the regulators are going to come in. And if it happens again, if you see a trend with a particular representative or an executive at the firm who just continues to use off-channel communications after after being told not to, I think the regulators are going to expect more action, whether that be a termination, I don't know, but they want to see some activity that the firm is taking to curb that activity and to make sure that these individuals don't continue to violate it. The other thing that's there, the SEC is out there now in a number of firms, and this is just word on the street. I don't, because I work for an archiving vendor, so I don't have personal knowledge of this, but the word on the street is that the SEC is out there now and they're even issuing subpoenas for the personal phones of executives at some of these large financial institutions to take a look at what's on those firms to make, excuse me, what's on those phones to make sure that there aren't off-channel communications occurring. The regulators, whether that be the SEC or even FINRA now, has gotten into the action with respect to these types of communications. They want to see that the firms are taking this seriously and that they're supervising these individuals the way that they should be. 
Chip, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time. I hope our listeners will join us for our next episode where we pose the question, is business innovation being stifled by regulatory action? But Chip, before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, Global Relay, or any of the topics we've touched on in this podcast, what would be the best place for them to go? Tom, thanks so much for having me today. And please, if you have any questions, go to globalrelay.com. You can set up a demo there. You can learn more about our products on our website. And it's a great source of information. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messaging Compliance in a Shifting Regulatory Landscape. I hope you'll join us again for another episode in this special five-part series. If you'd like more information on anything you've heard on in this podcast, check out Global Relay at globalrelay.com. This special five-part podcast series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.